Hi, thanks so much for joining us today. We are in the beginning of a build series. I know that our culture seems to be deconstructing so many things, but I believe God's just impressing our hearts to have a time of building, building character, community, culture, building into our families, into our marriages, building into our relationships. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to ever build a house before, and I've only had the opportunity once, but I do know that you have to decide who's going to design and build the house. You know, you present them with what you want, all the different features. You, you may want to have a certain kind of flow to the house, certain kind of kitchen, cabinets, countertops. You may want windows in a certain place, facing in a certain direction. You may want your foyer or your foyer to flow in a certain way, your dining room to be in a certain location. But you have to decide who you're gonna trust all those dreams to, all those ideas. Who is the designer, the contractor that you're gonna take what you hope for in your life, in your build for your house, and who you're going to trust with it? So you've got to know your potential builder. Um, you gotta know how long they've been building homes. But that would be one of the questions I would ask. Uh, I think you have to see how they've built in the past. Show me some pictures of houses that you built or that I can drive by and take a look at. Uh, how long does your product last? That's a pretty good question. Um, do they have your best interest at heart? I mean, they, are they really concerned about building your dream or are they looking to just knock out another spec house? Would they be willing to take a loss to do the job right? Will they be on site or will they subcontract all the work out to somebody else? And here's another one. Will they finish the job on time? See, these are all questions that you have to ask when you're about to trust this important build of your life of a, of a house to somebody, to a contractor. So you take this list and hopefully you have a list like that. And you go at, to the available builders and you begin to ask them these questions. So you gotta ask yourself, do they meet the requirements? Which one of those requirements would you be willing to compromise if you can't find the builder that you want? Here's a picture of what it looks like when safety and quality are compromised. Here's what it looks like when the completion time has to be compromised. How about aesthetics? Well, your house could look like this. Or decide that you're going to give up on the floor plan in order to pick your builder. Let me welcome you to the ugliest house in America. This was voted on by realtors of the United States. This house is in Indianapolis, it's a mansion, and it was voted the ugliest house in the United States. It cost $1.7 million to build this ugly house. Let me take you through it. First, you enter into this credible foyer. I mean, look at that. I mean, wouldn't you just like to welcome people into that? Then you can kick back and relax and enjoy your den. Then get a bite to eat from the kitchen. And it looks like this kitchen actually could bite back. And then after your day is over, just sleep well in this beautiful bedroom. You see, you have to decide what you want your house to look like and who's going to be your contractor. And it's not any different with our lives, our personal lives, our relationships, the kind of culture that we're creating. We have to pick the designer. We have to pick the contractor. 
We're gonna have to pick the person that we're going to trust to begin to give us the plans and to lay it out and make it a reality. And we'll have to align ourselves with that design and execute the build. So who are the contractors out there? Because we all have contractors out in our lives that want to show us what we should build with our lives. Uh, you've got your past. That's a contractor that's always around you, that's always trying to tell you how you should build your life. This is the way it was done in the past, so this is the way it should be done now. There's your passions. Your passions will try to direct the way that you're going to build your life. There's your mom. And, I, and I, yes, your mom. I mean, you'll always have somebody of significance in your life that will tell you how you should run your life and how you should build your life. They're your friends that will come alongside and tell you whether or not you don't want this, but you really want this over here. Another contractor that, that will present itself to build will be your crisis. See, sometimes when a crisis happens in our lives, we begin to allow the crisis to direct the quality of our build. You know, there are certain things that we wanted in our lives, but now the crisis will determine how we're actually going to build those um, relationships, those decisions that we're going to make in our lives. There's your limitations that may become the contractor of your life, the things that you can't do on your own. And then there's your God. And when I say your God, I'm really referencing a small g. I'm talking about that inner place of worship, the things that you worship most about life, whether it's a big G God or it's little G, but we all have something that we're serving, something that drives us, something that directs us. And it could be that thing that is the contractor on our build. Or you may be in a place where you've already picked a contractor. And you know what's interesting? The more that I have counseled people, the more that I've been involved with their lives, I really can figure out who their contractor is based upon the building. I mean, I can look at the, the specs of the build. I can look at the, the job site and who's on the job site. I can look at the materials that are being used. I can ask about how parenting's being done. I can talk about the entertainment of the family. I can look at how a couple is relating with each other in their pastimes together, the way they communicate or resolve conflict. And I can begin to figure out who or who isn't the contractor in that relationship. The Apostle Paul was talking to his friend, Tim the Toolman, um, about the difficulties of construction, building a life. And he also talked about running into bad contractors because I think all of us have had at least one uh, occasion to have hired the wrong person to do the job, whether it was uh, somebody working on our car or whether it's the plumber or whether it's somebody giving, putting a new roof on the house. I think we all know what it's like to run into somebody that we really wish we hadn't hired to do the job. So listen to Paul as he's in a culture that's deconstructing talking about the difficulties of building right in a world that's gone wrong. 2 Timothy 3.1, he says to Timothy, understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, that it's gonna be hard to do even normal things, things that were routine, things that seem to normally happen, that even the ordinary becomes difficult. He talks about people who had deviated from the truth of God for building their lives. He begins to warn uh, Timothy about imposters, about evil people, 
about deception, about a culture that has gone from bad to worse. And, and I think we face the same thing when we're actually literally constructing something, whether it's a deck or a pool or whether it's a new roof, that, that we, we realize that there's people that will come to us and they will be imposters that really can't do the job that they say that they're going to do. There'll be people who are just looking to make money and get that down payment, maybe that 50% for materials, and that's the last time you see them. You know, I've been thinking about building a deck on the back of my house or fixing the deck that's on the back of my house. And um, I, I've, I've got the money to do the job, uh, but I've brought in contractor after contractor and, and, and you know, some of them sound really good and, and awesome and, and, and like they're capable to do the job, but I, I just haven't pulled the trigger and it's why. Why is because, you know, am I getting lied to? Is, is this really going to happen the way that he says it's going to do? It's what if I give them a certain amount of money and it's kind of made me hesitate from building well. So, Paul wants to give Timothy the number of a great contractor. He doesn't want Timothy to stop building well just because there's a lot of imposters out there. There's a lot of uh, destruction or deconstruction of society going on out there. So he gives him the, the uh, name and the number for a great contractor. In 2 Timothy 3.16, he says this. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I mean, what do I hear in the middle of that? I hear the sound of the hammer. It's kind of like when you go through a subdivision that's being built and, and the crew's on site and they're, they're framing out the house and all you hear is hammer, kabang, 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 kabang. Oh, it, I mean, you definitely hear this when a new roof is going on. And so as the apostle Paul is, is giving them Timothy the scripture, you can just hear the work that's being done. He's saying that, that God's word is capable of reproof, of correction, of training, so that the man of God, the woman of God, the mom and pop of God, the husband and wife of God, the child of God, the single of God, the person who's dating of God, that we can all build and be equipped to do a really good work. I love it. He says, Tim, I don't care what you're trying to build. God's word will equip you to do the good work. You see, Paul, when he's talking about all this, he, it's funny, he doesn't mention anything about photographs. He doesn't mention anything about paintings staying on the wall. What the apostle Paul's talking about when he says correction, reproof, and training, and all these words, he's talking about the build behind the drywall. And that's the important build. That's the word of God. Let me, let me illustrate. This is this wall that we have that kind of represents maybe the wall that you have at home. And, and I, I want to shout out to Simon and Ben who did a great job building this for me. And we all have walls like this, you know, where we hang moments of our lives, where we put things on it. But the important thing to realize is that behind it, there is this whole system that holds the whole thing together. I mean, this is the important part. This is the place where there are the, the studs behind the wall. This is the framing, the support of the wall. 
And this is what everything is built on. All those cute little pictures of the grandchildren, all the pictures of the family together, they are all being supported by the work that is being done here. And what the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy is the word of God is the support system that frames up all of our lives. It's really interesting. I'm not, I'm not a builder by trade, but it's interesting how every wall in your house has to have these support frames. And there's not only that, but there's a rule about how these frames can be, uh, how far apart these studs can be. And I just happen to have my trusty tape measure here. Let me check to see what kind of work Ben and Simon did. And we'll find out because this is supposed to be 16 inches apart on center. So we're gonna, we're gonna put our trusty measure up here and 16 inches apart on center. See, th- those guys know how to build stuff. They're good contractors. See, all this correlates to how we build our lives um, and, and how we use the word of God. All life needs to be framed. There's, drywall just doesn't stand up. It needs to be supported by something. It needs to have something that undergirds it. And, and Jesus warns us about building foolishly. In Matthew 7, he says, everyone who hears the words of mine or knows that I've got plans for your life and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Life needs to be supported, it needs to be framed, it needs to have structure to have it held together. And and Jesus says, we're foolish when we don't take his plans and build the way that God wants us to build. Also, another thing that I learned about building is that the more of these studs that you have in place, the stronger the wall. I think it, it kind of makes sense. And if I was to take these two studs out of here, then I would only have this stud and this stud supporting it. You could see how this drywall could collapse. And so it's really important that I have the, the most repetition of, this, of these uh, support beams. And that gives the wall the capability of bearing a stronger load. And Jesus in Matthew 18, verse 16, talks about every issue of our lives being established in the testimony of two or three witnesses. What witnesses are we talking about? We're talking about the witnesses of the principles of God. Is that the more we put the principles of God behind the drywall of our lives to support it, the stronger the wall gets. You see, the more that I bring scripture into my marriage and I put more beams, more beams, more beams, the stronger that marriage gets. Likewise, the more I implement the principles of God concerning parenting or money, whatever the issue may be, I begin to strengthen the wall and you cannot have too many beams to support that wall. See, the framing system is so important to life, not just for drywall, as we, again, look back at the wall that the guys constructed for me, there are some times that we need a beam to drill directly into. For instance, a TV mount. If you were to bring your 65-inch LG OLED that you paid a lot of money for and you're going to hang it to the wall, what you don't want to do is just put your mounts for that TV right here right here, and then have your expensive TV hanging on this wall. What you would do is look for these two beams and drill a bolt directly into those beams. See, there are times in each and every one of our lives when we just can't um, resolve the problem by just putting a little nail in the wall and hanging the picture up. 
There are some things that are so difficult. There are some things that are so precious and so important to us that they need the frame to be drilled directly into. We need something that doesn't frame, something I can hang my marriage on, something I can hang my life on, something I can hang my children on. I don't take that the wrong way, but you know what I'm saying, that the things that we can put, the important things that we want to remain. And what we've discovered is that God's word will never fail you. And the more you have God's word embedded behind the drywall of your life, the more you'll be able to trust the outcome that God has planned for you. I know people will bemoan the word of God because, uh, I don't know, it impedes their liberties or their freedom. You know, people will all say, I, I'm not into the Bible. It just kind of, kind of crowds everything. It just, you know, I don't like what it does to my life. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you woke up in the morning and started to complain about the framing in the walls? You know, I mean, the morning comes up and you're waking up and you're, oh, you're, you're getting out of bed and it's like, man, you know what, I really feel... I really feel those two by fours in the wall are really restricting my movement around the house. I mean, nobody wakes up and complains about the framing in the wall, but yet why is it that when we, th we think about implementing the word of God and using it as a framing for our lives, we think that it's going to restrict our lives. No framing, no wall. No wall, no protection. You might as well get a tent. Maybe you think that the scriptures are not the word of God. That's a, that's a possibility. Let me ask you this. Do you have another set of plans that have been built on over the last 2,000 years that have produced such a good uh, outcome in people's lives? I mean, if God builds ugly, then why is it still used even today? And I would like to take whatever it is that you believe in Maybe if you don't believe in the 2,000 year inspiration of the word of God and God's got picture after picture after picture after picture of, of beautiful homes, beautiful marriages, beautiful families that were built based upon the word of God, take your plans that you've got and maybe your plan for your young marriage, for your young family. What, what is that plan? Maybe 20 years old, maybe 15 years old, maybe just five years old. Maybe those plans have never been built on. Maybe society is now handing you some new plans that look like they're telling you this is the way that life should be built, but yet nobody's ever built on them before. Yet you believe in them? As we are looking at building a marriage and family and friendship and community, we will be looking at the framing that God wants us to use. We'll be looking at the very scriptures that, that God uses for marriage to, to strengthen this wall so that the drywall can be put on and so that life can happen. We'll be looking at the principles for parenting and finances and, and building the right way in the way that God wants us to build. And you may think, well, you know, when it comes to the word of God that, well, it's old and it's outdated. Will it work for my life today? I love what the writer of Hebrews reminds us when he says that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirits, of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It sounds so real time. Um, me and my wife, Susan, love this show. It's called Hometown. And I forget who the two people are that do it, but it's on HGTV. And that, that's what you watch when there's no football on. And, and what I love about it is that they'll go into this old house and, 
this outdated, broken down house and they'll rip up the linoleum and the vinyl and the carpet and they'll finally get down to some, maybe some old wood and it's been stained. You know, three or four people have been murdered on the floor and they got to get this thing cleaned up. Well, they bring in this one guy every single time. They bring him in one, and they'll say, hey, Jimmy, what do you think you can do with the floors? And Jimmy, is, he's just like a, this older guy, and he's, he's real quiet, and, but he'll look around at the floor because he's seen every kind of floor that you could possibly see. He'll look at the holes. He'll look at the, the, the rods. He'll look at the damage that's taking place, and, and he'll say, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to strip this over here. What I'll do is I'll make another board over here. I'll take it from over there, and I'll place it. And it's funny, he always has a way of solving the problem with the floor. See, the word of God can take your life no matter where it is right now. And no matter how old you think the Bible is and how old the principles are, it is alive. It is working today in our lives, in our situation, in our culture, and today can still restore and rebuild the plan of God for us. And if you'll let me just kind of, you know, uh, speak to you as a, a spiritual father of sorts like the apostle Paul did. Paul said to the group that was building with him, like you're building with me, he said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He says, you know, I trust that God's gonna build something in your life. And he said, don't give up on God that entrust yourself to God. I'm trusting that God's gonna do something in your life. And maybe you're a parent today and God's saying that to you. Entrust your children to the building schematic of God. Um, trust your marriage to God's plan on the build and that he will build in your life and he'll bring about the inheritance for those who are sanctified. And what does he mean by sanctified? It's that those who have set themselves apart to say, listen, I'm going to hire God to be my contractor. He says, just know that God is going to build. And I, and I know that right now in the middle of our culture that some of you are, are afraid to go outside. Some of you are really afraid of what's happening and how the lives of your children or your grandchildren will be. And God wants to just let us know to trust in his ability to build something good in our lives and the lives of the ones that we love. But we have got to commit ourselves to him as our contractor. So as we go into this moment of expressions, which is, a, I don't know, maybe a, a time of communion with God, a, a time of giving, a time of prayer, a time of worship in this last song, maybe you have compromised the build. And there have been times I've tried to build things at the Rienzo household on my own. I've tried to retrim this or rebuild that wall. And, and, you know, and it's funny that a contractor will come in and begin to giggle and it actually happened. And it's like, uh, who did this? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that would be me. And he would laugh. And I, you know, maybe there's, there's some things that you've compromised in your build. And instead of allowing shame to control you, just bring in God with his mercy, with his truth, with his love, with his wisdom for your life. And say, God, this is, this is what I was building over here. Um, I know it's probably not right, so uh, I need to let you know. I, I would like you to uh, be my contractor. Maybe for some of you, it's time to fire your own old contractor. You know, your mom, she's sweet. Your friends, you know, your culture. 
your past, but do you really want them determining what the future of your life is going to be? The future of your children's lives? Wouldn't you want to have somebody that, that's always going to be on the job site like God? Don't you want to have somebody that's committed to the build and will complete it on time? Don't you want somebody that has your best interest at heart and knows your thoughts and your dreams? Maybe it's time for you to commit to God's plan. Maybe, you know, you've been a person and sure, you've got maybe one of these beams in your life and, and you visit church or you open the word of God maybe once or twice in a, in a month. Well, let me just encourage you. The more of these that you get in place, the stronger your, your wall is, the stronger your family is, the stronger your community, the stronger your heart is. So maybe it's time for you to make the decision to commit to God's plan while we're in a world that's dismantling everything around us. Heavenly Father, we just take our lives, what we've built, whether good or bad, we take them today and we present them to you. You are the God of heaven who built the world in all of its beauty and all its complexity. You are the God who created the very plan of redemption and executed it to perfection. Today, God, you are the contractor who has the greatest reputation for building good lives. And today, we fire our old contractor. Today, we give you our mistakes and our builds. Today, we commit ourselves anew to 